This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Thanks for being with us as we swing your way through our program, swinging open the gateway to your weekend, ladies and gentlemen, on the Friday edition of Kelly and Ramya. Uh, at the end of the week, we settle back and talk a little bit about some of the segments that we've had on the program. And why do we do that? Well, maybe to give you some idea about going to the podcast and taking a listen to it again, or for the first time, we might intrigue you. But also to give us a bit of an opportunity maybe to say some words that we didn't have time to say during the segment. We call this for time and we welcome to join Ramya and I, Ramya at the studio in Toronto and in Edmonton at the home studio there, Beth Deer joining us. Hello, Beth. Well done, Kelly. You got my name right. <laughs> I was waiting to see you. I thought I should apologize first and I thought, no, <laughs> no she's, I'm, I'm going to see if she was listening. <laughs> oh, I was like, the, uh, the next minute is Beth Downey. <laughs> And Beth, dear, it's like, holy good gosh, who is it? I was thinking the other day, don't be saying Bethany. She prefers the Beth, folks. And so here I go blowing it right out of the water altogether. Ah! And then I wanted to see. <laughs> I wonder how much these guys actually listened to the segment before. <laughs> uh, let's I jump over to Rum right away. Do you listen to the whole show? She does. Oh, yeah, every sure, single I'm, day. I'm sure I'm yeah. paid to sit here. So it's got the novelty, you know? I, I might as well, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. She'll start cheating on that after Christmas. And, oh, yeah, guys, I heard everything you have to say as I fast forward through the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember when you said this? Oh, you you, you were listening. Yeah, that's the one thing I heard. Uh, Ramya, you're kicking us yep. off today with Cut for Time. I will start with woodworking. This is a convo you guys had on Tuesday with woodworker Jeff Thompson. Uh, he was giving us his top tips for blind woodworkers, and he kind of gathered up a whole bunch of tips for us. This is his top number one tip. I think the number one that usually people have trouble with is how to apply glue to your wood project. And this is one of those things that when you're standing up a board on its edge and you have a bottle of glue, well, first of all, you got to open up the glue. And if you squirt, squeeze it just a little bit, sticking straight up, it'll blow some air. You'll hear the air. That way, you know, you're not clogged or the glue has dried up there. The other thing is the weight of the glue bottle, how much glue is in there. So when you tip the glue down, how to aim it, I usually hold my index finger and my thumb, <laughs> like you're showing someone how big a inch is or whatever is, and I straddle that board along its side and I put the tip of the glue bottle right okay. in between the two. And thus I can then slide right down the edge of the board and I can feel when I come to the beginning and come to the end. What I love, love, love with Jeff Thompson is honestly that he considers everything that we would go in, uh, non-woodworkers, when I say we, would go in with insecurities about, right? So, you know, when you're younger, you're in kindergarten or grade one, grade two, whatever, all the way up to whenever we did arts and crafts and think about why arts and crafts weren't as fun or why they weren't as inclusive as they could have been if you grew up in a in an integrated uh, classroom system. Why, like, when other people could really feel the kinds of, um, I guess, impact that crafting and woodworking and these kind of projects could have, why some of us felt like we 
couldn't really get there. And it's because of all these little minute details of things, right? Like, it'd be nice to uh, have, you know, a paper mache project being done, especially around Halloween. This is a perfect time of year to talk about this. You know, we're creating jack-o'-lanterns or carving or this or that. But you can't fully take part or you get the assistance of a sighted person an able-bodied person to get through this stuff but it's not necessarily the same as you being able to do it yourself and for me growing up i valued independence so much to a fault i'd say in some circumstances but so much that i just didn't feel like it was the same thing if somebody sighted was helping me do all the sighted stuff and gluing was sighted stuff cutting was sighted stuff and now as i live alone and I'm trying to, you know, do things like put up my own curtains or like not with a sighted person who can do that for me. I think of all the little ways that Jeff Thompson has taught himself how to be a blind woodworker because he used to be sighted also. Um, And then, you know, the way that he's adapted simply because he came from a place where he loved woodworking first and had to navigate and adapt to being continuing to be a woodworker while being blind and you know he has the confidence now to share some of these tips out to the universe and out to other people uh, who have low vision and who are blind and who can take part in some of these ways but i honestly find it very healing to have these projects explained and described in ways that you could go home and try it yourself with these baby steps and with these tips. So I love when he does these kind of back-to-basics versions of the woodworking conversations where he can uh, come up with top five or top ten things, and and even just throughout the the conversations we have with him monthly to say, and, you know, the way to do this uh, for a blind person is dot, dot, dot. So you're not just taking it for granted, but you really are able to understand how to do this in a tactile or in a combination of tactile and other sensory ways of doing this. Uh, Beth, were you ever big on arts, crafts, woodworking, this kind of tactile project? Like, absolutely, massively. I mean, I think I got really lucky to a certain extent because I obviously used to be sighted. I was sighted until I was 15. So Mm. a lot of my school years were spent, you know, doing independent crafts. Obviously, I needed a little bit of help here and there. I did still have issues with my vision, but art and crafts and woodworking was something that I was actually able to do independently. And don't want to toot my own horn, but like I was pretty good at for the most part. And after I lost my sight, I really struggled. I used to love drawing and painting. And that was something that, you know, was really hard to do for me after that. So I kind of, turned to something also tactile like I started doing a lot of clay work and um yeah I only worked in like a clay medium um and it kind of sounds like obviously that's kind of what Jeff's done too like he's switched to something that in my opinion is obviously a little bit harder than using clay but nonetheless still very tactile and you know he's found ways to do everything like I loved his segment the other day listening to him talk about it and you know he was telling us tips about like um he lays the boards down instead of standing them up so that they don't you know he doesn't knock them over by accident and stuff like that Mm. um he was fantastic Kelly what are your thoughts 
My thoughts always with Jeff, I love the tips because I think when we started putting this show together, this is the kind of thing we wanted. We wanted those little things. Mary gave us a bunch yesterday, Jeff the, the other day. Um, I, the experience that they have, as they say, experience is the best teacher and they are able be they take it break it down for us because they've been there they've got the glue all over they've you know jeff's nailed his finger to a board and so on all the little things that can happen as one gets back um adopting and saying this is something i love i want to get back to it and that creative mind of his not to mention the experience lets him do that uh, but let's let's not fool ourselves this guy would do it if he had been blind all his life and just happened to say I want to get into woodworking. On uh, Tuesday's show mm -hmm. as well, we had Randy Urban on with us from NBA TV to talk all things basketball. Here he is giving his uh, feelings on the departure of former coach, head coach of the Raptors, Nick Nurse. It's hard to say. I mean, I did notice that there weren't times where there were times where the team just wasn't playing for each other. And I don't know that that's always the coach's fault. The coach just no. seems to get the brunt of that. They become the fall guy. Look, these are, you know, you're, you're dealing with, um, you know, young with large sums of money and personalities and things like that. And and everybody, I, I played basketball. There's people that, hey, I want the ball more. I want to do this more. Like, this is just an inevitable thing of basketball. And it's not always the coach. And it's just sometimes just the way things happen. You know, you don't go on a winning streak. So then you lose a little more times than you're used to. And then that creates a little bit of, different energy and then you don't rebound as well from that so there's lots of factors that go into you know the situation playing out the way it did um so uh, it, it's hard to say um i know nick nurse is a good coach i think he's going to be successful in philadelphia so uh, i i'm not a, i'm not i'm not a coach blamer because i'm a coach myself so right. yeah <laughs> probably will. yeah I'm glad randy points that out because you know as a fan of the team you start saying what went wrong and i know Nick Nurse stuck with Toronto as long as he did. There was a lot here, a lot in this country. It's a pretty special place to be a head coach of a team, whether it's the Jays, whether it's the Raptors, because they're the only team in that league in Canada. So here you become, it's not just being a Toronto head coach. You are a head coach for a Toronto team in Canada. So you have the fans that are everywhere from Vancouver to Halifax that that will follow you and, and beyond. So when you think about the time someone spends, and I felt this, and this is kind of when we were talking the other day, not wishing, like Randy says, to necessarily blame, but there was a lot of checking out that seemed to be, whether that's on the players, whether that's on coach, where he's checking out. But I'm looking very forward to the change, not just because it is the different voice and, and we know that lends itself to where maybe people now start listing maybe whatever issues upper management might have had with coach or vice versa or individual players or with what the team is doing and players being dissatisfied or management being dissatisfied. Wherever you want to lay that, whether it's a blame or just a recognition, it really allows you to stop and say, okay, the reset button's been hit. And you got to wish that person going forward. I, I, mm. I'm not the one wanting to blame that guy, but I'll say, hey, man, maybe he'll have as much at least luck. Uh, you know, OK, might not be so sincere about him having too much luck against Toronto or, or, you know, getting another championship like he did here in Toronto. But I do recognize the voice may have left the Raptors. The feel may be different or just looking forward to other people now that he may not have felt deserved an opportunity or didn't see a lot in them. Maybe now some of them we get to see grow under under a new head coach, Ramya. 
Yeah, it's strong opinions always and strong, like, I guess, assertions when you think about sports, when you're coaching, when you're managing, in all these different roles, right? And even with players and tactics and such. But at the end of the day, there's sports as it is, as entertainment, as a business, as money, but there's sports conversation and that's really more about the human beings right it's be behind the athletic performances behind the decisions that the leaders are making it's behind x y and z uh, where you have to kind of empathize or understand how difficult it is to empathize and we we did it you know five seconds ago with the nhl and that conversation with brock richardson where we're like you know, what the heck is wrong with the NHL? Why are they like this as an organization? But uh, when we put aside just the impressions that the NHL have is having, I think we can leave room for mistakes, for growth, for all kinds of stuff. And as you said, Kels, the reset button, because there's always a reset button as it comes with change. It's, it's rotational. It's sports. That's the way it is. Nothing stays as we know it today. Too bad. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Ram, you just took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like you both know, like <laughs> sports, is, <laughs> sports is not my thing. Um, I mean, I'm just like that person. Like whenever I hear people get upset about sports and like, you know, choices Why? people make, I'm kind of that. I'm I'm just kind of that person. That, like it's just like everyone's human. Like give them a break, but by the same token, it's their job. I don't know. I'm just like. I find it very hard to have a view on this. So we're going to go straight into my topic. <laughs> um, on Thursday, we spoke to Mary Mamalidi about some cleaning tips. Here she is now telling us about a very unusual way to clean your light fixtures. Next, this one was interesting for me because I wouldn't have thought of it. Glass light fixtures, because they, they also need a deep cleaning. So from time to time, if you take them down, pop them into the dishwasher if their glass is removable, if the glass covers can be removed. Put them into the dishwasher, normal cycle, they come out squeaky clean. So you don't really have to get in there, worry about it. Yeah, I absolutely loved Mary's segment yesterday. I am one of those people who loves their dishwasher. I'm incredibly lazy. <laughs> I clean everything under the sun in my dishwasher if I can. If I don't have to clean it with my own two hands, it's going in my dishwasher. <laughs> so Mary's segment yesterday was fantastic. All the different things, like the silicone mats, it was really interesting to me because I, as I say, I throw everything in my dishwasher and I've definitely been caught out a time or two where I have not been able to read the label on something and just been like, ah, screw it. It's going in my dishwasher. Risk and it comes out like shrunk or whatever <laughs> i don't know if either of you two have done this before i yeah. worried more about the lights when you when i thought well what if you put that in but it didn't dawn on me uh, right off the top of the couch like, what do you mean the gloves you can put all that oh well, oh silicone yes of course yes and mm -hmm. of course you can there's so many things i i would have never thought oh i can throw that in there i can throw that in there and i'm not sure if it's because i thought you'll damage it um but her advice most things top rack Really perfect. One hundred percent, and I think that's where I've gone wrong in the past. Is I think I maybe have it's been a bigger item. I've put it on the bottom, and then it's come out wrecked. But yeah, she yeah. was very specific yesterday, 
everything she said. Put it on the upper rack. Put it on the upper rack. Did anything so, surprise you, Beth? Like something you haven't yeah, yet the lights, thrown in there? Like, oh yeah. I could yeah, not believe just... the lights. Like I would have thought they would like break, but then the more I thought about it, it was like, well, I do have like, like I literally put like my drinking glasses. Yeah. in there daily too. like why would that be any different <laughs> yeah the glass yeah. stuff doesn't surprise me as much and neither does the silicon but it, there were random things that she said uh, sponges yeah sponges and things yeah. like that where i'm like it, but are you contaminating the other stuff that's in there if you put something in too gross but that might be just my biases um, maybe the baseball has. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. There was father. one. There was yeah, one. They might yeah. have other people's dishes. But again, the yes. whole thing is killing bacteria. Like it. it yeah, it, that's it, the point. The right? machine doesn't know and doesn't care. I'll kill these hats. I'll kill these glasses. I'll kill everything in here. That's all the machine knows. And the soap. Well, we know what that'll do. Um, Beth Henley, thanks for coming. Oh, sorry. Uh, what's your name again? <laughs> Beth Appreciate Henley. you joining us. That's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, you guys. Thanks for having me. Take care, Beth. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, joining us for Cut for Time on the program, Beth Deer, out in Edmonton where it was snowy and she's getting ready to go to the outdoor hockey game that's going on there this weekend. They are going to take that. It, well, okay, Beth probably will stay home and monitor all the cars that visit and park. Frisco, <laughs> get off their property. We'll step aside for a couple of moments. When we uh, return, we'll wrap up our show. Take a peek at what's coming up on AMI-TV and AMI-audio on the weekend and our closing moment. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.